Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, everybody. Uh, happy 2020. I hope everyone's having a great day. How you doing? How's your Sunday? Awesome? Cool? Here's the thing, guys. Uh, Christine and I, on our side, we are trying to get a couple things done last minute before we go out on tour next week, which I guess when this comes out, it will be this week we're on tour. Ah! Anyway, um, no big deal. So since we are busy on our end, we are going to give you guys a live episode this week. We are going to be giving y'all um, the live show from when we were at Boston, which is really special to us. Um, this is probably one of my favorite shows just because Boston is where Christine and I met. And, you know, our little love story, you know, began right there. Eva was just a twinkle in our eye. So we're going to let you guys listen to that. I love that show so much. We are coming back to the Wilbur this year. So if you've not gotten your tickets yet, please, please do. We would love to sell that out again. It meant so much that we sold, sold out our like hometown venue. And it just meant a lot. Also, while I have you, we have like almost sold out all of our shows in January already, which is bananas. And the only one who is uh, being a little uncooperative is San Antonio. So San Antonio, I would like to challenge you. And make me look good to my fellow Texans, please. I would uh, really appreciate it if you guys came out to our San Antonio show. It would mean a lot. Um, it's, you know, it's going to be a pretty wild show. I'm telling you what. And we're trying everything we can over here to make sure that it is perfect for you. So please don't miss out. Um, okay. Enjoy our Boston show. Bye, guys. Sorry. <gasps> I feel like a kid that's like about to give a presentation that he has no idea about. Listen, we just flew in from Los Angeles. And boy, are my arms tired. Fun fact, he was a wonton. Listen, English is my first language. Is camera home? Classy with me. Sassy the clown. The clown is showing. Oh, sweet heaven. Finish your Boston! Holy shit! Oh my goodness, this, this is overwhelming. This is my security blanket. Oh my gosh. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Um, whew, whew. What the fuck this is, is going on? This is the biggest venue we, yeah, that's ever. ever had us, and we sold the fuck out! Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but... I'm not uh, going to question it. Um, thank you so much. And also, uh, we realized yesterday that this also, this month, 
right. marks uh, four and a half years of knowing each other. Right, yes. Although, like, knowing, only... Knowing each other. Like, two years of being friends. Right. We didn't like each other before that. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's just crazy how much has And we met happened. right here we in met Boston. Here. And we love it. This is this is like our hometown show, and I keep saying to Em, this is going to hit us eventually, that, like... Yeah. Oh, God, I keep we, saying, has it hit you yet? And no. it's like, I think we're just Maybe handling now. it. Yeah. And then we're going to leave and be like, oh, my God. I'm going to find you on the airplane and be like, I need to have a moment. I know. It was, it's technically our our hometown together, but this is also like the first memory we're making here together at the same time. So good, good first memory. How weird. Um, before we start, wait, I have to, hold on. I have to pull these out of my pants because they're hurting. What? Oh, your notes? Yeah. Sorry. It's like professional as ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll watch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, don't do that. This okay, well, before before I, I say my story, I just want to say one more time, thank you so much, Boston. Yeah, this is thank you, guys. Crazy, crazy. I This is ne- never something that ever, ever we Fun thought would happen. Is. That being said, let's crack into it. Okay. I always forget to add that to the drinking game, but just add it now. It always... Yeah. Wait, wait, a little dramatic flair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Very dramatic. Did everyone love that? Yes. No. This is this is how things go when we don't edit. Yeah. So it's probably just going to get worse from here. We don't know why you're watching the unedited version. It's going to be a mess. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Well, um, I tried very hard for these notes. I say this every time because, of course, I want every show to go well. But at the same time, uh, you know, obviously Boston means a little something extra. So um, I got many requests for this. So at least one person hopefully will applaud. Um, That's M's like pandering to like, please applaud. It's like, I have anxiety. Please yeah. applaud. Yeah. Um, this and is... save that also for when I talk later. Right, 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 yeah, right, yeah. right. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy me walking you through the, the tall tale of the Omni Parker Hotel. <gasps> yeah? I did a ghost tour my last day that I lived in Boston with Blaze, and we, they went past it, and I remember being like, this place is so cool, and I didn't even, wasn't even like friends with you yet. And Ayo! Did they, did they talk about it on the tour? Yeah, but I don't remember it, because then we Good had, answer, because... We, we had... This would have not... Then yeah. I wouldn't have had to do this. Okay. So, Omni Parker Hotel. Yes. Dun-dun. This is... Um, America's oldest continuously operating hotel and is 160 plus years old. I didn't know how much exactly. Plus. Um, it is a member of the Historic Hotels of America and is being looked at to become one of Boston's landmarks. Okay. Apparently it's not yet, which is pretty shocking, but it's on its way. It's also considered Boston's most haunted hotel. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So it was opened in 1855 on October 8th. So she's a Libra. <laughs> but that joke did, didn't play as well when we were in Dallas. They were like, we don't Yeah, do where astrology here. doesn't matter too no. much. They were like, mm. We're so happy to be back with our people. <laughs> uh, so she's a Libra. So, but then it was uh, restored in 1927 on May 12th. So she's a born-again Taurus. Oh, Oh, you're funny. Um, from the 1700s to the 1800s, the site was used to be uh, Boston Latin School. Oh, cool. Sure. We speak and Latin. <laughs> Puella. Oh. Cornelia. Eke. Roman. Un es pectora es, es un Puella nomine yes. Cornelia. You guys probably didn't understand that, but yeah. it's okay. We're, we're, you uh, guys, tell Mr. Perry at Fredericksburg Academy he's welcome for that. Yeah. I just t spoke fucking Latin on stage in 2019. Um, so the site was used to be Boston Latin School, and it was also the site of, of an old mansion called the... Oh, fuck, I was supposed to look up how to oh, pronounce this. Um, Miko, the Miko Mansion? Miko Mansion? None of us know. So Miko. Thank God. You should have just picked one. I should I was just kind of hoping someone's eyes would be like, Miko. <laughs> but no one it's okay. We're just all gonna guess together. Okay. So during this era, when it was a mansion, apparently soldiers got into a fight here with some locals who were sledding. <laughs> um Okay. I mean it's cold and snowy here, so that would make sense. But um, I hope you had a fun time laughing for the first oh. half of that sentence because it gets really sad. God damn it. So, so soldiers are fighting with sledders, right? And then apparently it leads to gunfire where oh. the only people killed are five children. <gasps> what the fuck? Ooh, 1,100 people are shouting drink at you, Christine. You got to do it. Oh, no I, pressure, man. I forgot I play the game, too. Oh, God, this is going to be a rough night. So, bye, Christine. Bye. So um, in 1704, 
the Miko mansion was built for a merchant named John Miko or Miko. And he, when he died, the house got passed on to his friend Jacob. And in 1829, it was taken over by Nicholas Boylston. And he is the cousin of John Adams. That's casual. Ooh, ah. Amazing. So Nicholas Boylston, he converted the mansion into the Boylston Hotel. And at the same time elsewhere in the world, 20-year-old Harvey Parker was a coachman who, this was the beginning of his story, loved eating lunch at a cafe (laughs) where he traveled. Sometimes it starts with a good lunch. That's our future biography. They like to eat. He, he was a coachman who enjoyed there. his cafes. Yeah. And so he loved this cafe so much that in 1832, uh, he decided to buy the cafe and rename it Parker's Hotel. Okay. Parker's Restaurant. Whoops. Oh. Eva? I got hotel on the brain. Sorry. Delete that part. Yeah. Usually that's where Eva would start deleting things yes. immediately. Um, so Parker loved it so much, he bought the cafe and named it Parker's Restaurant, and that was in 1832. So in 1847, he made, made plans to expand and grow, and instead of managing a restaurant anymore, he wanted to do the whole kit and caboodle. and was like, I want to build a hotel. Sure. So in the 1850s, he purchased the property of Miko Mansion from uh, Boylston. So it was already Boylston Hotel at this time. And he bought the property, he demolished it, and then he built his own building on top and called that the Parker <laughs> House. Uh. Okay. After working in the restaurant, his cafe that he purchased, he knew that food and cuisine were going to be really important for the hotel to stay popular. And so he found a chef in France that he loved more than any chef in the world. Oh, my God. Okay. And offered him in the 1850s a $5,000 a year salary. (gasps) That sounds like a lot. If my inflation calculator is correct. Right. That's $45 million. We know math is your strong suit. Yes, it is. Math and Latin. God knew if you were good at math, you would be too powerful, I think. I think. (laughs) So just work with your inflation calculator. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So he found a chef in France that he loved, offered him $5,000 a year, which, by the way, chefs at the time were making around $400 a year. Oh, okay. So this is like a holy shit amount of money. Yes. So people loved the food in the hotel, and this was a description I found of the food. And it's kind of long. And I was like, mm, it doesn't really have anything to do with ghosts. But one, I have the microphone. And two, I love food. <laughs> That's the name of the biography. <laughs> <laughs> so here is a description of a typical banquet at the Parker okay, House. Okay, I'm so ready. A typical banquet. All right, oh. let's go. Yeah, I'm settling in. Okay. Let your taste buds do the yeah, talking here. I'm picturing here. that I'm there. A typical banquet might include, I don't know, green turtle soup. Okay, Maybe I'll be at the doorway. I'll I'll decide in a minute. Maybe you'll be, like, looking through the window, right? I'll decide in a minute. Green turtle soup, ham and champagne sauce. Ooh, we're curious. We're curious. Mm. Um, Oysters. Okay. All right. A filet of beef with mushrooms. All right. Mongrel goose. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Mmm. Mem's favorite. (laughs) Mince pie. Okay. I only thought this was a store, but Charlotte Russe. What? Apparently that's food. We're not classy enough to know about that part. No. I'm classy enough to know what the store in the mall is. Right. (laughs) So not very. That's sad. (laughs) And a variety of fruits, nuts, and ice creams. That's where I am. Yeah, yeah. We'll come for dessert. We'll come for dessert. (laughs) Among their specialties were tomato soup, venison chop soup, 
delicate mayonnaise. <laughs> Plus a distinctive method of roasting beef and fowl using a revolving spit over well-stoked coals. Okay. And it gets even more fun with food. You want to know why, Christine? Yes, absolutely I do. Because in 1865, another item on the menu that was created in this kitchen was the very first Boston cream pie. Oh! That's so nice. So this kitchen knew what was up. Yeah. Some goose and some pie and some... Some... some I love it. Mongrel pie. Mongrel yes. pie. So uh, it was... Boston cream pie is, was invented on this site and ultimately oh became goodness. a Boston staple and is Massachusetts state dessert. Aww. That's so nice. That's so nice. That's so nice. So with food this elegant, yes, that's what that's... Wikipedia said, and that's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> the hotel was also the first in the country to use the European plan for meals. Oh, yes. Could Me. you tell I was writing my notes and I was, so, like, so hungry? Yeah. Because... The, most of this is about food. I'm sorry. The ghosts show up. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the first place where meals were doing the European plan, which is actually something that I had been curious about because one of the hotels we just stayed at had on their, in their like little hotel booklet, it said, we use the American plan. And I was like, oh, what is that? Wait, well, like, really? Yeah, I found out. Like, I'm not going to tell you right now where, what hotel that yeah, was. Yeah, don't ask. I'll ask you later. Um, but... I was curious about it, and then this story fell into my lap, and I was like, oh, I'm going to learn today. Okay, so, tell me all about it. The American plan, fun fact. Oh, God damn it. These are all fun facts. You should have drank like 20 times by now. Um, You're leaving us hanging. The American plan in a hotel are meals included in the cost of the room, and they offer specific times of the day. However, a European plan, which is what most hotels have now, is that only the room is paid for and the meals are paid for separately, but available whenever requested. How do we combine those, though? To just like have they're f- free, but they're also anytime you want. Oh, that's a dream. The Euro-American That's, that's lucid dreaming meals. is what that is. <laughs> oh, damn it. So, also another fun fact, also about food. Sorry, I don't know. I didn't realize this until just now. Um, the do hotel- you write fun fact into your notes? I write FF. Wait, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. That's another FF for you. This um, is why I'm like, every time we send these to be printed, I'm like, they don't read them, right? They don't read them. Yeah, I really hope I write you... weird shit into my notes, too. Yeah. Okay. I wrote Born Again Taurus in my notes, by the way. <laughs> so I really hope no one read that. Oh, boy. All right, moving on. The hotel was cre- also created the word scrawd. Which uh, I always thought was a term for fish, and, but apparently it started as a term for the freshest, finest, and youngest whitefish of the day. And then the last fun fact I have for you, which is food-related, is uh, this hotel also created the Parker House Roll. What? It's, have you had them? The they what? are delicious. The Parker what? Parker House Roll. They're like they're rolls that look folded over. They're good yes, if you haven't I had them. They're had good. Them? I don't know. Probably not. Well. Apparently, one um, opera composer loved them so much, he actually made up a song about how much he loves them and then used it in his opera. That's us as an opera, for sure. Uh, the opera fun fact is called Tales of Hoffman, in case you ever want to listen to someone sing about bread. Absolutely, I do. So, the hotel at this point, um, the Parker House, was already heard of and being used by many celebrities of the time, including Mark Twain and Charles Dickens, who both temporarily lived there. Ooh, that got him good. That got him. That got some intrigue. I I heard a little wave. 
So the hotel became a literary spot in the 1870s to 1880s. The hotel established the Saturday Club. I want to be a part of that. No, maybe. Who knows? We'll find out. I'll stand in the doorway until I find out what it is. <laughs> I keep It's where they eat soon. the turtle soup. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want that. The club met on uh, the last Saturday of every month, except July, August, and September. They had a hiatus. Cool. Cool. Um, and people in attendance were Boston's elite. So, Christine, you think yes, you can fit in? Yes, that's why I'm in the club, too. Right. Yes. So, it included Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Who Mark- is here tonight. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to our show. He said he might not make it. Oh, wow. Wadsworth. What a guy. Um, Mark Twain, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Charles Sumner, Charles Dickens, etc. Just a bunch of really wonderful geniuses. All smart people, yeah. Um, and at these meetings... Henry Wadsworth Longfellow actually wrote his first draft of Paul Revere's Ride. Oh, my. The Atlantic Monthly magazine was thought up. It was the very first. It was, its concept was created there. Cool. Um, Charles Dickens gave his first reading of A Christmas Carol. Aw. So lots of fun things are happening in the Saturday Club. So I kind of do want to be a part of it. Yeah, me too. I would just be like like we, the outlier of the we'd group. We'd be like <laughs> the one sweeping the bar. Right. Yeah. We would, start, we would start as custodians first and yeah. hope they just welcomed us in. <laughs> so here is a quote about what exactly the Saturday Club was. Okay. The Saturday Club's afternoons were often taken up with poetry readings, impassioned discussions, and book, crit- book critiques. Mm-hmm. As important to the group as intellectual pursuit, however, was camaraderie and a hefty dose of, bir- of not birth, wow, mirth. I'm out. as important to the group as intellectual pursuit however was camaraderie and a hefty dose of mirth gossip revelry and here i am seven course meals oh yeah and here you are all washed down with endless elixirs i'm back in i'm back in so i'm back so when i was reading it it really makes me it's literally just the finer things club from the office yes correct but it like actually worked so henry david thoreau was not a fan of the Saturday Club. Oh, no. Because it was too filled with cigar smoke for him to see. Oh, what a baby. But in 1884, there is a poem about the Saturday Club, and it reads... Are you going to read it? Oh, uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh. Hell yes. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to say it in passion, because everything ends with um, exclamation points. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Here we go. A short poem by me from 1884. <laughs> Such guests... What famous names its record boasts, whose owners wander in the mob of ghosts? The end. That's it! <laughs> You're so talented. I Listen, I, it took a long time to write that. It took even longer to finally read it out loud. Oh, wow, um, beautiful. So other guests uh, later after the Saturday Club closed include uh, the, the, sorry, Ulysses S. Grant, oh, trademarked. The um, one. You know him. Judy Garland and the Grateful Dead. Oh. hey We found them. There they are. Yes. Um, also in 1865, John Wilkes Booth stayed here a week before shooting oh, Lincoln. Dear. They turned on us. They love Abe Lincoln, though. You can tell. And not a fun fact. Fucked up fact. Okay. Um, so he stayed there a week before the assassination, and while staying there, he was remembered seeing at a... He was remembered being seen at a nearby shooting range practicing with a rifle oh fuck that's horrifying oh man oh man so don't steal my line (laughs) 
1867, there was a woman named Charlotte Cushman, who was an actress, and I love her because she played both male and female roles in her parts. What a babe. She was iconic for 1867. Yes. While here, she passed away on the third floor, and they say her ghost is probably one of the most popular ghosts people see. Okay. Also in 1867, Charles Dickens lived here for two years, and the hotel still has the door to his room on display. Ooh, ah. Oh, my. Um... They also have the mirror from his room in the hallway, which uh, he actually used to practice a Christmas carol. Because although it's also a book, he originally was and he was giving speeches and telling the story himself. So he would stand in front of a mirror and practice it. Oh, that's like us in our. No, it's not. Weston, <laughs> standing in front of a mirror. No. Practicing. Me, maybe. No, this know. is the rough draft, guys. Oh, this is us practicing. Right. Yeah. We're just point. testing it out to see what you think. And then flying away. I'm trying to make them feel like they spent good money on this. Oh, yes. Uh Yes. Hopefully you're having a blast. Uh (laughs) Thank you. All right. So. Don't pander. uh, So, yeah. So they still have the mirror. And uh, it's actually in a hallway now for everyone to look at. Okay. In the 1940s, Malcolm X worked here as a busboy. Ooh, interesting. And in 1946... JFK was, like, kind of in love with this place because he announced his candidacy for Congress there. He also proposed to his wife in the restaurant. Aww. He also held his bachelor party there. Oh. That's a swanky Ew. bachelor party. In 1949, uh, in room 303, one guest that is very popular now in spirit um, died by suicide. Oh, no. While mixing whiskey with pills. Oh, no. In 1980, this is another quick fun fact. Emerald Lagasse, the bam. Wait, that guy? Emerald, yeah. Yeah, okay. He uh, started as a sous chef there in the kitchen. A lot of stuff going That's on. the most famous fact of all. I think the food part was probably my, f- I don't know. Yeah. It did the, it did the best, I think. The um, food part. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, in 2008, the hotel actually had a $30 million renovation, and now there are 530 guest rooms and 21 deluxe suites. Okay. And uh, this is where the ghosts begin. Oh. <laughs> you guys really held out for a long time, so you deserve it. So, Harvey Parker is known to roam the halls, especially on the 10th floor. Okay. It seems to be his nest. Mm-hmm. And in, like, I know I, what I said. I know. I didn't. I didn't say anything. I just looked at them. Harvey Parker sideways little, little, a little bit. Little bird. I didn't so say anything. In 1950, guests started seeing a misty apparition that uh, would walk over to them, stare them down, and then fade away. Uh oh. Also, Harvey's apparition is always described as a heavyset older man with a black mustache, which confirms that it is him because all pictures are exactly that description. Okay. Um, people also see a man dressed in colonial clothing walking around and sometimes even telling people, don't go into the stairs. And what? You know, I, no one knows why. That's just, <laughs> he just says it. Okay. But no one knows who that is because no one like, no, no one has asked him his name. Well, he just doesn't dis- he doesn't match any description of anyone that has famously died there or anything maybe like that. Maybe it's Emerald. So maybe it's Emerald. <laughs> Bam, don't go downstairs. Yes. So, 
The guests have also seen the shadow of a man with a stovepipe hat, thinking that he was in the way, stepped aside, but no one was actually there. But, I mean, if you see someone with a stovepipe, I don't yeah. think you really... get out of the fucking way. Right. <laughs> He's got plans. Yeah. So, guests say that they also see bright orbs floating down the hallways in the middle of the night, and there are reports of rocking chairs on the 10th floor that rock nonstop, and they creak, and people can't go to bed at night because they can hear them through their rooms. Why the fuck do, uh, does a hotel have a rocking chair? Like, get, well, a, get rid of that Well, so then people say, like, all these rocking chairs in the hallway keep creaking, uh-huh. and in other rooms next to us, they keep creaking, and we, we can't fall asleep. Uh-huh. And then they'll call down to the hotel to complain, and the hotel will say, we don't have rocking chairs. Oh, okay, chairs. fuck that. Okay. <laughs> Forget it. That's fucking terrible. Okay. Um, there are... There is a, uh, an unseen spirit that will tap you on your shoulder. And I said this yesterday, too, uh, for a different story, but the same applies. Tapping on the shoulder, tapping on the head, and knocking on your headboard when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, I don't love that. It's just creepy because it's, like, right next to your head. Yeah. So, like, you can, it's very. It's just extra bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the lights in the bedroom will flicker on and off. And at 3 a.m., people, of course, at 3 a.m., people report their necks being pinched and their hair being pulled. Ooh. And people see shadows flying around on the walls <laughs> and then staying still when you try to approach them. Well, that's horrible. Like it's trying to hide or something. <laughs> bathroom sinks will also turn on, on and off by themselves, um, sometimes flooding the bathroom. And... There are strange noises and groans from the center of guests' rooms, usually at the foot of the bed. What the fuck? Yep. So in the middle of the night, guests have also reported hearing sounds of of rushing water that sounds like a waterfall over their heads. (laughs) Just right above their head. They just hear a waterfall that never hits them. Our new... Okay. Don't listen to this part. So the hotel we're staying right now has like a sound machine. Did you see that? No. And you'd like twist it and it goes like, whoosh. Oh. Or it's a ghost. It might be, it might be a waterfall. I'm confused by it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Omni Park maybe also just... has those machines and people are just like trying to stretch their <laughs> stories. Maybe it's just a heater and I don't really know how cold weather works oh, anymore. Maybe. I'm, I think I'm just confused. Okay. We'll figure on. it out together. So, um... TVs will also change channel on their own. They will turn themselves on and off. They will unplug themselves, and the volume will change by itself. Mm-mm. Shadow people will walk through walls in front of you. Great. Some will walk down the hall and turn the corner into a dead end, and if you try to follow them, you will walk into a dead end with no one there. Cool. On the third floor, the elevator doors will open on their own, and buttons will press themselves in front of you. Uh, nah. Um... Eh, I'll pass. Nah. I'll take the stairs unless no, that other guy yeah, shows up. I was gonna say, Emerald does not want He's you like, taking Whoa, this don't do that. stairs. Be They're careful. teaming up on us. It's like you can't do either. Jesus. So, um, in some rooms, especially 303, where the guy died by suicide, there are complaints of loud, boisterous laughter and an overbearing smell of cigars and whiskey. Um, Thoreau would not be happy about that. No, <laughs> too much, too much cigar smoke for him. Um, some women have also felt a wet, whiskey-scented kiss on their cheek when walking by the room. Literally the most disgusting phrase you've ever uttered. (laughs) Vomitous. I know. A lot of people are rubbing their faces right now being like, get off me. 
So people actually complained about the laughter in this room so often that they ended up closing the room from guests and turning it into a storage closet. Okay. Um, just because people did not want to spend the night in there anymore. And there were also several noise complaints about rooms nearby where the rooms were actually vacant. So you would say, you know, there's a huge party clearly going on in this room. Right. Get them to shut up. And then no one would be there. Oh, um, boy. It's a Saturday club. It's a, <laughs> Clearly. Uh, the mirror that was once in Charles Dickens' room is also said to be haunted, the one that's now in the hallway. Mm-hmm. If you look into the mirror, people will see distorted images of their own faces. They will also see faces of other people behind them when they're alone. Oh, no. And this was vague, but I, I saw on many sources only this sentence. If you say Charles Dickens three times into the mirror... <laughs> Seriously? Like Bloody Mary, but it doesn't actually tell you it's going to... It just says, if you say Charles Dickens three times, something strange will happen. And it's like, well... All right, after party. Right. I need to figure out. After party, out. Charles Dickens mirror. See ya. Holy shit. Um, something strange will happen. Apparently, so I found like one very obscure YouTube video of someone saying that something strange could be a variety of things from the elevator doors opening and no one called it and there's no one on the there or you might feel someone like grab your arm it's apparently anything strange will happen so i see okay it's a choose your own adventure of sorts got it but like with charles dickens and like also you don't you also don't choose it it just happens right right charles dickens is choose your own adventure starring you oh very very good yes so um housekeeping has cleaned the the mirror like try to clean it, but they always end up seeing condensation form as if someone's trying to breathe on it. So apparently only one patch hot air will show up very fast Ew. and stay there. That's um, foul. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, children have had pillows thrown at them when they're in the room. <laughs> That's, and according, it's a little funny. According to the sources I found every time it's happened or when kids are on their phones. So I think that is the Saturday club being like, go outside or something. Read a book. Right. Uh, Lights have gone on and off on their own, and guests have to switch out lamps, so they'll actually call downstairs and be like, it's not the bulb, it's like something in the wiring of this entire fixture is fucked up. Can you bring me a whole new lamp? And then, (laughs) so then people will bring brand new lamps, and the same thing will happen, and like, it's just, none of the lights work, apparently. So, um... Guests have heard the cords to alarm clocks and the lights on their nightstand moving on their own at night. Staff have heard voices, including an angry man screaming, what do you want? And uh, several people have witnessed the apparition of a woman in a bathrobe in their room. There's also a man in a suit who is seen in the halls who will give you directions. And then <laughs> when you turn around to say thanks, he has already disappeared. Do you, like, ask for directions? I don't know. Maybe he's, like, maybe I mean, he's like over there are the stairs. And the other guy goes, no, no, don't. That's what I'm kidding. Con- right. It's Emerald. I don't know. Because I really, I mean, I feel like that's me, though, in a hallway. Earlier, I was like, Blaze, I don't know where the elevators are. And he's like, keep walking, keep walking, <laughs> keep walking. I feel like just keep going. If a man just appeared and said, go that way, I'd be like, very thankful. Right. But I'm also very, very bad at directions. Well, who knows? Maybe this guy can just start following you then. Um, So guests also hear talking and whispering outside their door. And when they look out the people to see who's talking, nobody's there, but the talking will continue. One guest woke up to a man in 1800. Oh, this one's wild. Get ready. Um, 
One guest woke up to a man in 1800s clothing, smiling at the foot of her bed. And she, it's supposedly Harvey Parker himself. Right. Um, and so she, they just, like, stared each other down while he was smiling. <laughs> and then when apparently he realized she wasn't going to say anything, he said, are you enjoying your stay? Not anymore. And then vanished in front of her. And then she went down to breakfast and had never seen him before, but went down to breakfast and his face was on a portrait oh. in the wall, on the wall and was like, who the, is that guy? And apparently it was Harvey Parker and also someone who stands at your bed. Um, cool. Cool. So across the street, this is the last, that's, that's it for the hotel, but I wanted to give you a little something extra real quick. So across the street from the Omni Parker Hotel happens to also be the King's Chapel Burial Ground, which is the oldest cemetery in Boston. Um, And it was actually Boston's only burial ground for up to 30 years. It was established in 1630 by Sir Isaac Johnson, who was also the first person to be buried there. Fun fact. (laughs) It's like, he was like, this land will do. And then, and then he went first. Put me in it. Some other people that are buried there are William Dawes, who is the companion of Paul Revere. Uh-huh. John Winthrop, the Massachusetts first governor. Uh-huh. Um, Mary Chilton. I'm sorry if I'm fucking up these names. I, history is not my first subject. Um, <laughs> Mary Chilton was the first Englishwoman to step foot onto New England. And Elizabeth Payne, her... Headstone was actually the inspiration for Hester Prynne's grave and Scarlet Letter. Oh. Also, I filmed a video in there once. I did, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Look we went us. to, uh, to uh, communication school. Yeah. Yes. We had film projects. We had to do film projects in the public of Boston, and I'm sorry about that, Boston. Cause, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you had Uh-oh. to see some weird stuff. Um, and other people who are allegedly buried there are Captain Kidd mm-hmm. and also John Cotton. Uh, who was a very powerful religious guy in the 17th century. He sounds great. Um, (laughs) So there's two other bodies that um, are in this graveyard, and they have some pretty interesting stories. So there is one man who is buried there who was allegedly buried alive. Okay. But we don't know because by the time they dug him back up, he was definitely dead. Well, okay. (laughs) Um, Jesus and then there was a second body that was a woman's body uh-huh. whose grave was too short. They, pa- <gasps> they paid for a shorter coffin than, I guess they didn't have a lot. So I they, don't like where this is going. You're really not gonna. Yeah, so I don't like it. They were like, well, we, we already bought the coffin, so we're going to bury her in it. Too late. So they were like, well, what should we do? I'm so sorry to end on this note. The, I regret to inform you that... The grave diggers cut off her head and placed it between her legs so the body would fit. Sorry, they couldn't be like, we'll just cut off the feet part. Or like, she'll bend. Like, or just like, put her legs this way. Right. Um, well, fuck that. That's fucking so, terrible. Thanks, Sam. You're welcome. So... Everyone, if you were, I know a lot of people were, like, hoping to go home and have, like, a nightmare prepared for the night. I, You're I hope I didn't upstage you. You're welcome. But now you've all got something, like, as a backup. So, Thanks. in 1810, many of the headstones and markers were moved around, and 
Many have said that they have seen a ghost and heard their voice while visiting the graveyard. Less than half of the bodies that are buried there currently have headstones. So they said less than 500 and there's at least 1,000 bodies there. So they think that it's just haunted because people don't, you know, it's not a proper burial. So they will see people walking around in the graveyard and then you'll turn around and you're actually the only person in the graveyard. Also, there are orbs and strange lights that will flash in your face. They will also show up in pictures and video recordings. And also, if you try to take pictures on a phone, they will erase themselves. And voices are known to whisper to you. Sounds of footsteps are following you when you walk around, and soft cries are heard. Okay. And last, but definitely creepiest, um, shadow figures will run by you past trees or hide behind graves as you walk by. Okay. And that is the story of the Omni Parker Hotel slash burial ground. You know, I (laughs) They liked it, I think. Um, Uh, Yeah, thank you, guys. As you were telling it, I was like, you know, I I was listening very carefully, don't worry. But I also also started thinking about this pen that I have. And (laughs) it says Omni Parker Hotel on it. And I was like, where did I get that? And then I remembered my dad stayed there one time, and I said, I need to go look at that mirror. And he was like, nope. Oh. He was like, no. Like, you don't need to. Like, no, I don't want to get kicked out of the hotel because you're wandering around trying to, like, meet Charles Dickens. My first thought, it was really fucked up to say in front of everyone, but my first thought was, like, you don't need to look in a mirror because, like, (laughs) you don't. No, that was you. That's what you said to me. That's what you said. I was like, just stay away from it. My dad's a little bit nicer, but. Yeah, no. Uh, so, fact. yeah, my dad stayed there and didn't tell me anything and was not very nice about it. So. Oh, yikes. Wow. Well. Well. Well, anyway, uh, that is my story. Yes. So. Don't clap a second time. You already got claps. I guess it's Christine's turn. Is it? Yeah. Oh, uh, Christine uh, has been practicing a form of meditation lately that uh, that Eva and I have now become accustomed to. It's not really meditation. Well, we can call it that. Sure. Christine has been practicing lucid dreaming. And so one of the things if I'm doing this, if I'm explaining it correctly, we'll see. I don't know. Apparently, when you're learning to lucid dream, Uh one of the things that you try to do a reality check. A reality yeah. check to see if you're actually sleeping or not is yes. you press on the palm of your hand to see if you are lucid dreaming, your finger will actually go through your hand. You can apparently. be like, I'll put my finger through my hand, and if it doesn't work, you're fucking still stuck in this reality. But <laughs> but so if it goes through. Because now Eva and I are always around Christine. We're always like doing this. Get be, me out. Like always making sure that like we're okay. <laughs> oh my god. Are we on Oh my god. Oh my god, what's happening? I mean, I have actually had a lucid dream where I did this and my finger went through and I was like, I'm going to go flying. And I ended up at the mall, so it wasn't that exciting. <laughs> Although now when I can tell when I'm starting to, like, piss off Christine because when I start annoying her, all of a sudden she'll start doing this. And she's like, I can tell in her brain. She's like, can Get I fly out. away from here? Get can me I, out. I need, to, I need to go. Unfortunately, I'm still in this reality with you all, so. <laughs> Hello. With me. Hello. I have a story for you and it is bananas and it's very long and I'm sorry, so buckle up. All right. Guys, this is crazy. Okay. If thinking about salsa in a variety of delicious flavors and heat levels makes your mouth water, 
you need to check out Green Mountain Gringo. And make sure to turn the jar around and take a look at its clean backside. A list of its all-natural ingredients. Of course, that's what I meant. Of course. And all their products are preservative-free, too. With the medium salsa, you get hearty chunks of tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, and onions in every scoop. I'm reading the ad and my mouth is watering. Uh, Anyway, the hot salsa brings flavorful heat to every meal with each bite containing jalapenos, serrano peppers, and other savory herbs. Plus, they've got a hot sauce with a tangy, spicy flavor that enhances the simplest of meals. It's perfect for avocado egg toast or tacos. I sort of feel like they're reading my mind because I put salsa on almost everything, but specifically, I use their salsa. I use usually the medium salsa and then uh, also the hot sauce on my avocado egg toast. And I don't know how the script knew that. Maybe everybody eats this, but I always make toast with avocado and then I put scrambled eggs on top and I put salsa. I can't eat it without salsa. And the Green Mountain Gringo is always there for me in the fridge because it really adds to, I mean, any meal if you're me, but definitely the eggs avocado toast situation. Visit GreenMountainGringo.com and start shopping. Use the store locator to find Green Mountain Gringo products, get inspiration for recipes, and purchase products using promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off. That's promo code PODCAST24. And don't forget to check out their backside. (laughs) Do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. Now, what's up, Christine? I want to apologize, which I feel like I start most shows with that. Right, right, right. I'd like to apologize because this story, um, it was listed in like a Boston's crazy, some listicle, you know. And uh, so I went with it and I did all the notes and I was super amped. And then I was like, wait, where does Boston come into this entire story? And it does show up eventually. Oh, boy. So So here's a random story featuring Boston. It's there. But it was so good that I didn't want to get rid of it. So we're going to do it anyway, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What's it called? It is the story of Christian Gerhardt's writer. Okay. And I'm just going to say it like that because he's from Germany, and I'm not going to Come on. Come on. Nope. Give the people what they want. Come on. You're going to do it so good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, fine. We love you. We love you. This is the story of Christian Gerhardt's Reiter. Woo! <laughs> I'm never saying it like that again, so. I'm so proud of You're you. welcome, world. Thank you. Speaking your first language. So good at it. Okay. So, Christian, I'm going to speak English now. Christian was born in 1961 and grew up as some, oh, no. One bullet in. Here we go. He grew up as somewhat of an awkward awkward teen in Germany. I don't know what that's like, so don't ask me. Right. (laughs) Christine, you can't relate to that? No, not even a little bit. Uh, 
but every documentary I watched made a very certain point of telling me how awkward he was as a teen. And I was like, oh. I hope no one ever makes a movie about me. <laughs> and that's like definitely in every highlight reel. Terrible, yeah. terrible. Um, when he was 17, he was hitchhiking in Germany when an American couple named the Kellens picked him up and he introduced himself and they gave him a ride because they were like, oh, he's a nice teen. They were from California. He's kind of awkward. Yeah, he's a little awkward teen. Like, it's not a big deal. We'll give him a ride. So they learned, So he learned that they were from California, and he was immediately entranced. Uh, he kept talking about all the Hollywood movies he loved. Um, he was talking about how obsessed he was with, like, the USA and Hollywood culture and how badly he wanted to get out of his hometown. Um, so in 1978, a year later, when he turned 18, Christian decides it's finally his time to head to America. And he lies on his immigration form saying he has been invited to stay with an American family called the Kellens. Okay. So just full circle, that is how he got himself into America, by meeting this family while hitchhiking, oh, saving their it. name in his memory, and then lying on his immigration forms. Got it. So he makes it to America. Good for him. Um, we're, we're, we're that much closer to Boston now, yes. at least from <laughs> Germany, America. I told you, we're getting there eventually. So, his ultimate plan, don't say Tom Brady to me. <laughs> don't, don't. I said don't. No. Absolutely not. I don't know anything about sports. Get out. Get out. Okay. Everyone keeps being like, are you here for the big game? And we're like... Yes. That seems to be, just so you know, that does, when, we, when we're checking every into city, every city, every city for some reason, it's kind of better because it's just so many people, easier. they're like, oh, what are you in town for? And we're like, oh, the we, game. We, yeah, we just say the game. Cause, and everyone's like, oh, okay. Because at this you point, we're like, oh, for work. Oh, what do you do for work? Oh, shit. Yeah. We, we tell ghost stories. And, no. But you, it's good. You, it's good. We're doing okay. You just we're, say the game and people are like, cool, you can go through then. Exactly. You, you can enter our city. I just always assume a game is happening everywhere. It is. And it really yes. does save us. So thank you, games. Yes. <laughs> but also, don't talk about Tom Brady anymore. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Christian's ultimate plan was, as can be expected, to head to Hollywood because he had this whole idea that he wanted to be a movie star. Right. Um, but he makes his first stop in Meriden, Connecticut. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I hear it's just beautiful. I say that about every city where people cheer. I'm just like, yes, we love it there. It's so good. Everyone there is Ayo. so beautiful. It's a great town. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so he goes to Meriden, Connecticut, and he convinces a local family named the Savios that he is an exchange student that needs a place to live. And to do that, he put an ad in the newspaper. And they were like, okay, and just went along with it. All right. Sounds what year is this again? Um, we're in the 70s, so okay. that sounds about right. Yes. That checks out, yeah. Yes. Um, so the Savias have their own teenage son named Ed, and Christian joins him as an exchange student at Berlin High School. Um, yes. Here's the thing. I, I asked Blaze about this because, listen, Blaze is from Connecticut, and I was like, what's Berlin High School? And all I get back is a text that says, fuck Berlin High School. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, good. That's a good reaction. I don't know if people like actually all yeah. think that, but now, yeah, now they them. do. We fucking hate them. And then he said something about sports, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to listen anymore. But um, <laughs> the first answer will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did say he did say a lot of things. And then when we hung out today, I was like, when we hung out, like he's my husband, I guess. But when we were just shooting the <laughs> shit, you know, we grabbed a drink. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, when we were uh, earlier today, I mentioned it. 
Uh, and he was like, well, they just like were much better at sports than me. And I was like, that's, that's what it was. That's what it was. So it's He's actually that like they're really good. Maybe. Yeah, they're good at things. Okay. No, they're terrible. We yeah. hate them. Right. Yes. Right, right, Fuck right. Berlin. <laughs> so Berlin High School. Screw those guys is what he said. Um, okay. Anyway, it's at this point that Christian begins to reinvent himself entirely. Uh, he tells us Savio's all about the wealthy family that he had left behind in Germany. Uh, he describes the maids and butlers they had back home and the immense wealth that he was bringing with him to the United States. And everyone was like, this guy's a little bit weird, but like... I guess he's fine, so he can stay. Sure, sure. It was the 70s, remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he apparently was obsessed with TV, American TV, uh, particularly Gilligan's Island. Uh, yep, same. Um, <laughs> and he adopts the accent of the wealthy New Englander on the show named Thurston Howell III. Uh, oh, dear. So here's where I did a thing. I wrote in my notes. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote in my notes. What? (laughs) You know how you write FF? Well, I wrote, his host brother describes his voice as follows, and then I just put a quote, and I'm supposed to remember how he described his voice. I don't know. Oh. It's it's up to your thinking. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. His host brother described his voice as follows. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Wait, wait, I got it. Hold on. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Christian. Oh, so like he's trying to sound like like he's like, like he's cooler a, than an, life. a millionaire from yeah, yeah, America. Yeah. I hear right? you. You know that what I sounded. like. I knew the voice. Yes. Yeah, I sounded like a millionaire from America. So anyway, pretty soon the Savios start getting sick of him. Shocker. Um, he's super showy, presumptuous. Uh, he never picks up after himself, and he's constantly in the living room watching Gilligan's Island, <laughs> like the worst house guest That's of all the life. Yeah. So in 1980, they finally kick him out when. Apparently, he refused to let his um, host brother's little sister back into the house. She was, like, eight years old, and it was, like, eight degrees out, and she was stuck outside, and he said he was too tired to get up from the couch, so he left, <laughs> he left her out there That's for, like, awful. three hours, and so they were like, you have to actually go now. This is too far. It's like, yeah. That was, that was the line. Yeah, we were wondering yeah. when you'd we cross found it. it. It's the 70s, but there is a line <laughs> Right, somewhere. right, right. Right. So they find this line. He finally leaves. Um, and he decides he's going to head west toward California again. So um, I promise that we're, I know we're going away now. I talked about food for like 45 yeah, minutes. True. We're okay. We're, that's true. It's not just We're me. locked and loaded now. Thank so. you. It's yeah. too late. I have a microphone and it's too cold outside for you to leave early. So, okay. You're warm here. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've trapped you in this warm, warm building. Okay. So he starts heading west toward California. Um, and on the road, he changes his name to Christopher Kenneth Gerhard. Because, sure. Okay, sure. Uh, And somehow he manages to vote for Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Despite not being a citizen. Uh, (laughs) He's sneaky enough to do it. He found a way. He had that accent, though, that, like, hello, I'm Christian, you know. Yeah, and someone was like, that's a millionaire. He's got to come in and... We got to let him vote. We got to get him to vote. Yeah. So he claims he showed up to the polls with his driver's license, told told them he wanted to vote, and when they asked... Where's that accent from? He said, oh, it's from Massachusetts. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And just like, Look, <laughs> at least your stereotype is you're all rich as hell, so all right. You're weird Germans. Uh, weird rich Germans, I guess. Um, yeah, yay. Can't relate. Um, anyway, let's see. Where are we? I don't know. I'll find it. 
Give me a minute. This is usually where we have Eva edit. Yes. But you guys paid to hear it unscripted, so here it is. We didn't make you do shit. We don't know why you're here either. Okay. So from Connecticut, he heads to Milwaukee uh, so he can stay. uh, So, nope. Rewind. From there, he heads to Milwaukee. Okay. Cool. Step one. Uh, And then uh, he bluffs his way into the film program at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee because he knows if he's a student, he can stay in the U.S. longer. Um, But he also knew that that wouldn't last forever, so he needed a more permanent solution. And that's when he finds 22-year-old Amy Dunkey, and he convinces her to get married by uh, claiming that if he is sent back to Germany, he will have to join the army and be sent to fight in the front lines of the Cold War. Hmm. Okay. Right, so let's take a brief minute to think about that. Yes. Okay. Now, history's not my first language either, but I will say I know a little thing about the Cold War, and um, there were no front lines on the Russian Federation, so that was a big, fat lie. But also it was the 70s. There was no Google, so you can't blame Amy. So he, Amy's like, wow, I would never want you to get sent to the front lines of Russia. Right, right, so right, right. I guess we'll get married. And it worked. And they didn't even have just like a courthouse wedding. They had like an actual big wedding celebration and a whole thing. Um, invited friends. Apparently his best man was a guy from his film noir class uh, that he had had a few beers with. And he was like, you can be my best man. All right. They interviewed the guy in the Investigation Discovery documentary. And he was like, yeah, I thought it was weird, but like... I don't know. He bought me a few beers, so. (laughs) That's all it takes. He did his part. He did his part. So they have this big wedding, yada, yada. The next day, he fucking just ditches Amy and heads to California with his green card. Because. Yikes. Yeah. Deuces. He's out. (laughs) Deuces. Um, Yes. He finally makes his way to Hollywood, California. What a guy. Uh, He makes his way to L.A. with nothing but his car and barely enough money for food. Although. He immediately moves into the neighborhood of San Marino, which is just east of L.A., and is also one of the most exclusive and wealthy communities in the nation, uh, with a median home price of $2.3 million. Casual. Yeah. Well, Massachusetts can afford it. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently. Apparently, with all your accents and stuff. Um, So he shows up with his car in, like, $20, and he shows up in San Marino and is like, cool, I'm going to live here now. Um... And he did, guys. How? In, I'll tell you. Oh, I'm okay. glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. In order to fit in, he joins a local church um, and starts introducing himself as, just buckle up for this. He introduces himself as Christopher Chichester the 13th Baronet. Shut up. That's yeah. so and great of him. Good? Yeah. Fabulous. Sounds very regal. Yes. The 13th. Anyway. Wow. So he even went to, I guess, like, Staples and had little, like, calling cards made. (laughs) And he would just hand them out to people at the church and be like, oh, yes, I'm a baron. And people just bought it, because why not? I guess. Again, there's no Google. The world before the internet was a scary place. Like, no one's like, can't Facebook a baron? And I would have been screwed, man. I would have believed everything. (laughs) Um, So the craziest part is that people believed him. He was so convincing and charming that no one doubted his story that he was this, like, English aristocrat who had just moved to California for fun. Um, He lived like this for two years, living off of all the wealthy people in the neighborhood. 
until he learned of an empty guest room in one of the wealthy women's homes. And her name was Dee Dee Sohouse, and she had once been a glamorous socialite who had flown her own plane. Oh, I thought I that like was that. A fun fact, um, an actually fun fact. Uh, but who was now a frail, isolated eccentric. Yikes. Aww. AKA Christian's perfect target. Right. Yes. Right. Um, so six months, so he moves into her guest house and six months into living there, uh, Dee Dee's son, John and his wife, Linda move in. And John is like, why is this weird man with a calling card living in our house? Yeah. Mom. Right. Um, <laughs> and she's like, don't worry. He's a baronet, whatever that is. I mean, sounds like clarinet and baron i'm listen Just, yeah i also don't know what a charlotte russe is so i don't i'm not really qualified to that know. was like the most airheaded moment of my life where i was like oh my god that's like a food i was like i was like that for sure is just a store and i should i should have googled it i it's well, a dessert thank you i god me and my researching you know just let people shout things at me. All we're, right. We're good at this. I mean, apparently. I'll give you a pep talk later. Okay. Right. So, anyway, Dee Dee's son is like, who the fuck is this weird, weird man living in our house? And Dee Dee's like, don't worry, he's a baronet. And it uh, goes without saying, things started to get a little bit tense. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dee Dee's son and his new wife are like, we don't really love that this guy's just kind of living here. He's a stranger. Um, and he kind of gets the feeling that, like, maybe this guy's trying to take his mom's money because she's it. older and she's, she's very wealthy. And so, so she's on it. She's, like, kind of picking up on things. No, the son is. Oh, he's right. kind of picking yes, up yes, on things. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, you know, we don't gender type usually. Right, they. Lord, I'm the worst. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> it's just a guy named John. Okay. I think. Sure. Sure. So John is like, wow, mom, I think maybe this guy's uh, taking advantage of you. And she's like, no, no, he's a baron. Don't worry about it. He's super wealthy. And then all of a sudden, in February 1985, John and Linda abruptly vanish. Oh, no. And Christian slash Christopher uh, tells Dee Dee, don't worry. They moved to Europe for a top secret government job. Shut up. Oh, my God. <laughs> So stupid. And she was like, well, why can't I know about it? I need more information. And he said, no, no, no. No one is allowed to know about it except me. Chris Chichester III. 13th. 13th. Sorry. How dare I? So he's like, no one's allowed to know about it except me. And she's like, um, okay, but no. So she files okay, a missing good. persons report. And then a postcard arrives. Uh, it arrives from Paris, and it says, dear mom, talk soon. And that's it. That's just the laziest fake message I've ever heard of. <laughs> and Chris, it might as well have just been like, sup. Like, yeah. <laughs> it says, you up? Nope. <laughs> uh, so the, <laughs> this postcard arrives. <laughs> and Dee Dee is like, thanks, but like, no, I still don't love this story. How my son, who doesn't work for the government, just got a top secret government job and moved to Europe. But, okay, so she files a missing persons report. Um, four months later, Christian is like, well, I don't love that she's not believing my story, so I'm going to leave town. So it's probably no coincidence that around this time, police had begun to grow suspicious of him because Dee Dee had filed that missing persons report and because they believed he was setting up a scam to inherit her money. So Christian, or Chris Chichester, there's a lot of names that are going to happen, so just, just 
just buckle up. Just go with me. Chris Chichester the four thousandth left town. Sure. I don't remember. Uh, but not only did he leave town, he also happened to leave in John's new pickup truck. So oh. that's awkward. Yeah. And that's the guy who went missing, by the way, in case anyone forgot. Got it. All this time, he is staying in touch. Now, okay, we're going to rewind. He's staying in touch with the Kellens, the people that he had met The family that he hitchhiked. Got it. Yes, and he had written them down on the immigration forms. Right. So he had been staying in touch with them uh, to make sure they didn't, like, report him to the government as, like, no, we didn't ask him to live here. Um, Got it. So he'd been keeping in touch. He stops by their house in L.A. to say goodbye and that he's leaving California. And while Christian is saying goodbye, the Kellen's son, Wayne, happens to walk past this pickup truck, looks into the cab, and makes direct eye contact with a woman who has clearly been crying heavily and has locked the door. So she is inside the car. And uh, just remember that. Oh, I'm not going to forget it. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Just a very weird thing. And he didn't really know what was going on. He didn't know who she was. So a random woman is, like, heavily crying in this car. Inside. In the truck. Uh, yeah, Christian's car that he stole, stole from, from John. John. Got right. it. Yes. We're there. Are We're you there. guys still here? Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> it seemed, it made a lot more sense on Investigation Discovery. Okay. <laughs> Shocker. Um, so in a- 1985, Christian skips town finally and moves to Greenwich, Connecticut. Well, I will say, I asked Blaze, well, what about Greenwich, Connecticut? And he said, rich people. (laughs) But he didn't say fuck Greenwich. He just said fuck Berlin. So I don't know. I don't know. All I got was rich people. Okay, cool. So he moves to Greenwich, Connecticut. He rents a room in the back of a mansion. So, okay, maybe Blaze wasn't totally wrong. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, He rents a room in the back of a mansion. And because uh, Christian's dream of becoming a Hollywood star had failed... Sound familiar? Yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, He decided to try a new angle at reaching wealth and status, and that was by getting a job on Wall Street. Does not sound familiar, though. No. That part. I haven't even attempted that one. Not yet, anyway. We're learning. (laughs) No. Wall Street? No. No. Numbers? No. Math? Uh Uh-uh. Maybe Latin. Uh, We'll see. I already mastered that one. I already said it on a stage. You're right. You're right. Let's leave that where it is. So, da, 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 da. so he went to Wall Street, and he was like, cool, I'm going to get a job here now. Um, just just buckle up. Okay. He shows up. He has changed his name, not from Christian Gerhardt's writer or even Baron Chichester. He shows up with the name Chris Crow. He's got to at least, like, be committed to the name. He's, like, he's going too many ways yeah, with this. Yeah, it's all over the place. Um, he claims he's a pr- television producer from L.A. who worked on the 1980s remake of Alfred Hitchcock's pres- Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which actually was his favorite show. So he's just, like, fucking lazy. He's like, yeah, sure, I worked on this movie, this gotcha. show. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so he says he worked on – he's a famous producer. He shows up at Wall Street. He says uh, he comes from two royal families of Germany because they didn't want to pick one. He's like, yeah, I'm from both. <laughs> <laughs> That's more believable. Yeah. His former colleagues remember him uh, wearing – every piece of clothing that he wore was monogrammed with the initial CCC. For, you know, uh, Chris Crow, who knows Some what Chris his middle name was, Crow. but yeah, Got it. apparently even his slippers and his pajamas, wow. ev- literally his undershirts, everything had CCC monogrammed onto them. He really like committed. I mean, yeah, he finally did the job. He finally so. committed. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> one time. What did you do? <laughs> I already hear something. Should I tell it or no? I mean, yeah, come okay. on. Now you have to. Fuck. So one time I was at this bar. Okay. I was at a bar and this guy walks up. 
And he's like, can I buy you beer? And I was like, sure. Listen, I didn't know you boys. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So this guy's like, I'll buy you beer. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm from, uh, he's like, oh, I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm from um, an Austrian noble family. Okay. And I was like, interesting. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, wow. What's that like? (laughs) And he was like, (laughs) he's like, yeah, it's tough, but I'm here in Ohio. Right. (laughs) On a top secret government job. Uh Right. Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh boy. Um, and I was like, this is fun. So I was like, oh, buy me another beer. So he bought me another beer. And then I was like, tell me more about this like cool Austrian nobility you have going on. And I was like, well, do you speak German? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, wow. (laughs) And so then like, I spoke German to him. Oh no. And he goes, oh, well you probably wouldn't know my dialect. And I was like, Blaze beat out that guy? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I just remember being like, <laughs> really? Like, like that's, Katya. That's your fucking thing? <laughs> and then I said, I said, oh, well, I'll like, like say something and I'll see. And he literally started going like, like he made noises out of his mouth. <laughs> To his credit, he never backed down. He just kept saying, no, no, you just don't know key? my I don't dialect. I did get, like, a couple of Bud Light Platinums out of him, though, so it's fine. You should have just been like, wow, great German. How about another, another beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was very effective. Uh, not really, <laughs> though. So, anyway, apparently this guy's not the only one to ever pretend he was, like, Austrian nobility. Um, gotcha. It's apparently a, it's a common common swindling trick. What a so terrible... Look out, everyone. What a terribly stupid, stupid thing to do. Okay. Um, anyway, where are we? Wow. I don't... I just derailed really hard. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, oh, CCC, the monogram. You know him. Right. So, Christopher Crow, CCC, he shows up at a brokerage firm, and he convinces them that as a member of the European aristocracy, he'd be able to bring in a certain high-class clientele, so they should hire him. Love it. And it worked. Uh, He's not even gotten a college degree. Like, there's nothing that he's less qualified for than working on Wall Street. Right. (laughs) Which maybe says something, but I'm not going to say it, so maybe you think about it. Okay. Uh, Right. No comment. So he gets hired as vice president of corporate bonds. There's nothing he can't do. No. So as I said, he knows jack shit about finance. Uh, They realize this when he starts asking very basic questions like, so how do bonds work? Oh, no. He literally asked his coworker, well, so how do bonds work? And they were like, "Uh uh-oh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They sh- oh funny boy. joke. That's funny. Hilarious joke. A year later, Dee Dee Sohouse, you know her, mm-hmm. right? She, the pilot. Yes, the pilot. Yes. What a gem. So she actually passes away in San Marino. Mm. Um, her son and his wife are still missing without a trace Oh, at this my point. gosh. Yeah. Several weeks later, an alert pings on the police database that someone is trying to buy John's pickup truck. And it pings because... Uh, it had been associated with the missing persons case that Dee Dee had filed. Got and it. since Christian took the truck to Connecticut, uh, when he tried to sell it, it pinged on the radar. Um, so they're able to track the truck to CCC in New York, uh, whom they immediately recognize, of course, as the great old 13th Baron. Right. Of Flor- of, where were we? California? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know where we are right now either. We never really know where we are anymore. It's very overwhelming. Uh, right, Boston. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, by now everyone had kind of realized that they had fucked up in hiring him on Wall Street. Um, they'd noticed that he had no clue what he was doing. Shocker. And that he was probably not a wealthy aristocrat despite his, quote, fancy looks. Uh, and voice. Apparently. Oh, his voice, too, yeah. yeah. His socks, apparently, were, like, super fancy, and so a lot of people thought... I'm serious. A lot of people... How many people saw his socks? Well, you know, when they sit down and they go like this, and it's like, oh, look, I, I wear fun socks. I didn't know if, like, his toes were monogrammed, and everyone was like, those are some nice fucking socks, They man. probably were. I don't know. CCC. I think maybe they were. Let's go with that. It's more fun. Okay. Okay, so he had fancy socks. Anyway... When the police showed up um, and start looking into him, they realized that Christian, guys, Christian had provided Wall Street officials with a fake social security number. When they ran the number, it belonged to a certain someone named David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the son <gasps> of Sam. Wow, that one got me good. No way. So, like, clearly, these fucking Wall Street gems and a half didn't run his social security number because they were like well he's a wealthy aristocrat we don't need to run his social and he had given them the fucking son of sam's social security wow. number yeah was not checked this was a year later by the way so they just never ran it oh even when gosh. they were like oh this guy a weekend doesn't know what the fuck he's doing never background checked him never looked into it cool that's fun great makes mm. me feel really good about everything okay <laughs> So, obviously, this is very ballsy, and the police are like, well, this is a little bit red flaggy. Right, you right. Um, so, police uncovered one major clue at this point, which is that the fingerprints, they d- so he did give them fingerprints, too, because he had social security number, fingerprints, etc. So, they ran his fingerprints, and they realized that his fingerprints matched those of a German teenager who came to America 10 years earlier. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. now we're finally, like, putting the pieces together. Um, and that's when they learned that Crow, Chichester, and Gerhardt's writer were the same person. Mm-hmm. So for weeks, police were trying to pin him down in New York, but he continues to evade them. And when I was reading this, it was like, so police kept asking him to meet up. And he was like, sure, and then, like, wouldn't show up. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't seem like how police should work. Right. <laughs> like ghosting the police. It's like, you're pretending to be the son of Sam, and you're just, like, not meeting us for lunch. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll get there, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm really busy. Yeah. On Wall Street. Right. I don't know. It's just bananas. So apparently he just ghosted them for like two weeks and they couldn't figure out where he was. Um, And so around this time, um, a newcomer arrives on New York's art scene. Believe me, this goes somewhere, I promise. I didn't just put the wrong notes in here. It sounds like I did. (laughs) It does sound. For a minute, I had a little spike in blood pressure, but this is the right notes. Okay. So a newcomer arrives on New York's art scene and his name is James Frederick Mills Clark Rockefeller. <laughs> Except it's not cuz it's just Christian again. Okay. I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Let me say that again. James Frederick Mills Clark Rockefeller. Uh so rather than run to a different country or city uh, or even city, literally he could have just right moved out of New York, but no, he moved a few blocks away. Um he developed an entirely new persona uh, in which he claimed he was a Rockefeller. I can't handle it. <laughs> so it's really stupid. overwhelming. I know. I'm sorry. I feel like He's I'm just so ballsy. Yeah. I'm throwing a lot in everybody's face. Sorry. Um, he presents himself as an eccentric millionaire and a generous patron of the arts, just like me. Okay. 
It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> Get me out. Okay. Uh, his name, obviously, is a Rockefeller. People are, like, automatically very impressed um, right. and think that he's telling the truth for whatever God knows what reason. Um, he tells everyone that he was an orphan prodigy who went... <laughs> Same. (laughs) Who went to Yale at the age of 14. He said he also had a private jet with which he would take his dog to Maine sometimes. I mean, well, that that we should vision board. I feel like if that guy at the bar in Ohio had said, I have a jet and I take my dog to Maine, maybe Blaze and I wouldn't even be married. But instead... I'm just kidding. I love you. I don't know where you are, but oh God. Oh yeah. Blaze is here, by the way. Shit. Okay. (laughs) Blaze was like, are you going to, are you going to say on stage that I'm here? Cause you do that all the time. And Christine was like, no, I don't. And then, and then I saved her this time. I did it. Sorry, Blaze. See, they're cheering for you. I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. So, I don't know where we are now. I'm just sweating a lot. Okay. Uh, oh, Orphan Prodigy. Right. Oh, yes. Orphan Prodigy. There's a lot of twists and turns on this yeah, roller coaster yeah, we're, we're all in on. a weird place, all of us. Okay. So, he went to Yale at age 14. Uh-huh, and he flew to Maine with his dog. Okay. He didn't even have a dog, so he was full of shit. Okay. That's the worst of them all. It That's is. the it's worst It's a big, lie. fat lie is what it is. Um, so in reality, he was actually living off the last of his Wall Street earnings because, remember, he had worked for a year on Wall Street making, right. like, the salary of an executive and then had just fucking pieced out with all that money. Gotcha. Um, so he was living off the last of his earnings, renting a small apartment in an expensive neighborhood. And as he, he went by Clark Rockefeller because, you know, eight names is a little much, a little mouthful. He did that to himself. Yeah. Well, yes, right. exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. So he went by Clark Rockefeller, um, and around this time, he marries high-profile senior executive Sandra Boss, which I was like, that sounds fake, but no, her name is literally Boss, Sandra Boss. Um, she's an high, a high-powered exec, and uh, she just happens to earn uh, millions of dollars a year, so he just happened to find the right lady to uh, take to the altar. Great. So he and Sandra Boss get married. Um, and he earns her sympathy by telling her all about the trauma of his parents' deaths. Let me find the next page. Uh-oh. It's an awkward bullet to go have these on. Right. I was, and? And? I'm leaving you in suspense. Okay. So he tells her all about the abduction of his parents when they were abducted in either Japan or Pakistan. Depending on the day. Yeah. He told both stories, so nobody really knew which one he was going to stick with. Why wouldn't you at least clarify with yourself you which story so. you're going to stick with? Like, yeah. like, I've got, between all four or five of them, i got, like, 15 names yeah. and two locations that my fake parents were fake abducted while I'm at fake Yale because I'm a fake prodigy. And I'm going to fake marry this person. And I'm yes. my fake dog at a jet in the middle of the sky, and it's monogrammed. I, yes. <laughs> CCC Airways, yes. So he's full of shit, essentially. Right, so Japan or Pakistan, who knows? Um, He said that because they were abducted in Japan or Pakistan, uh, he was mute for 10 years. Oh, my God, come on. I need to take a drink. Oh, shit. Say something funny for a second. Uh, uh, Uh. Cool, love that That you're... That was, for for those, like, 10 seconds, my propranal law was like, fuck you, you're on your own. And I was like, oh, my God. 
Was that good for you? Was that funny? (laughs) Good. If it, makes you, if it makes you feel any better, that got more laughs than any joke I've made in the last 25 minutes. <laughs> Maybe I should do the whole thing without anti-anxiety God meds. We could it. all just laugh all night. Uh, thank God we're so full of jokes. I know. Okay. Guys, this guy was mute. Why are you laughing? <laughs> he was mute for a whole decade because his parents were abducted in a foreign country that he couldn't decide on. Right. So... By the way, his actual parents are alive and well and, like, living in Germany. So there was not actually... I hope they find out, like, the, the stunts he was pulling They later. did eventually, actually, okay. yes. But I never heard their opinion, which I really wanted to know. Well, well I, I think, think we, we all can all would. probably guess, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, guessing it wasn't, like, a treasured cool. feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, they're very much alive. But So he tells uh, his new wife, oh, my goodness, I was uh, mute for 10 years because my parents were abducted. You know, in Japan or Pakistan. And I, this part, I think they also included in the documentary for the same reason that I'm going to include it, which is just that it's so fucking stupid that I'm, it has nothing to do with the story, but I just need to tell you because if I had to read it, you had to read it. Um, and that is that he was mute. He said he was mute for 10 years, and the first words he uttered in 10 years were after witnessing a dog, which I was like, So far, fair. it's fair, Yeah. yeah. And the word that he said was woofness. It's like he's trying to be... Whether or not that's a word is, I guess, besides the point, but... It's like he was shooting for charming, and it just kind of went, like, a little to the left. It was like... Yeah, yeah. It's like, mm. He's like, that's what Americans say, right? Woofness? Right. Yeah. He could have just, like, ended it with, like, I finally had it in me to speak once I saw a puppy, and, like... That'd be kind of cool. End of story, right. Like, that broke it. Exactly. But then he had to add the woofness thing. He made up a word. I mean, I don't know. I just They just casually said that in a very intense documentary, and I had to rewind it six times to be like... <laughs> and I put on the little closed captions, and I guess the person writing the closed captions also was confused because they put it in, like, quotations, <laughs> and I was like, I don't think With any like of us... four question marks, yeah. like, <laughs> maybe? They did, like, the SP question mark right. spelling? <laughs> I don't know. Very confusing. So anyway, they get married. She's like, wow, that's amazing. They get married. Uh, and they have a daughter named Ray. Okay. Uh, he and his daughter are apparently inseparable. And this is kind of the first person he's ever had in his life where he's, like, actually deeply connected to. Sure. Um, meanwhile, back in San Marino, Didi's house. You remember Didi? Yeah, the yeah. pilot. Right. The pilot, yes. Didi, her house is sold to a new owner. And they happen to decide to put in a pool in the backyard. Yeah. And then they had a great party and nothing happened. Nope. <laughs> bad, bad things happen. Um, they find a box buried in the backyard. Yes. The box contains plastic bags filled with the remains of a human body. And the body belonged to John Sohouse, Dee Dee's son. Yikes. Uh, one of the plastic bags uh, containing John's remains happened to be from the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. So that's a weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. So then police go interview the Kellens, the family that... I knew there was a reason I included them again. Well, right. here we are. Here we are. <laughs> uh, police go back to the Kellens, the family in L.A., and uh, show them a picture of Linda and John. And John's wife says, holy shit, that is the woman I saw crying in the car. Oh, no. That belonged to John, that Christian happened to be driving back to Connecticut. 
Oh, no. And they were like, okay, let's call Interpol. Finally, we're taking things seriously. Yes, yes, yes. So the FBI and Interpol get involved, and they're all looking for Christian. I guess they don't realize he's a Rockefeller yet, so they'll find that out. (laughs) They'll find that out soon. Um, Meanwhile, Clark Rockefeller is, like, kind of following this news, and so he has a breakdown. Okay, sorry. So sorry for you, Clark. Right. Um, He heads to New Hampshire with his wife, Sandra, and they bought... We like her so far. I hear it's so beautiful there. I love it. Oh, I thought we were talking about Sandra. No! I mean, Sandra, I'm sure, is beautiful, too. Okay. He heads to New Hampshire, which is the most beautiful place I've ever heard of. And um, he and Sandra... Damn, I should have known that would play so well. I would have, like, really amped that part up. I mean... We love pandering, by the way. (laughs) Um, So he and Sandra buy a mansion called Doveridge. And Christian buys an old police car... And paints Dove Ridge Security on the side of it. It's the most dad thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It is. So he decides he's going to buy this mansion and hide out from the rest of the world and, like, become a hermit, kind of. And he paints this car, Dove Ridge Security, and just, like, parks it in front of the driveway so people think that, you know, his house is secure and they can't approach. Got it. Um, Meanwhile, uh, shocker, Christian and Sandra's marriage go south. Um, apparently Christian just became kind of a terrible, terrible fucking person. Hmm. Uh, surprise. He started controlling her every move and she was the only one making money because at this point he wasn't working. He was just being a Rockefeller. Um, so she was making the money and he would, uh, he took over her whole bank account, controlled all her money and even started restricting her from eating. So that's good. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So he's super good. That's the worst thing that happened on this podcast ever. No. <laughs> Don't take away anyone's food, especially mine. <laughs> I would never take away your Charlotte Russe. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> so at this point, obviously, he's still going to great lengths to hide his true identity. Um, this is actually very creepy. So at the point, so he's living in this uh, neighborhood, and he has a daughter. So they're, you know, he's meeting other families. But anytime somebody takes a photo. Um, he, like, covers his face. And so they started showing all Ooh. these photos that he was in where he would, like, cover his own face. It's very creepy. Like, oh, it, they're no. Vi- like, um, you know, pictures. Polaroids? Kodaks? You know, yeah, sure. Disposable physical pictures. The ones pictures. that you would get printed. Oh, no. That's a Kodak moment. Yeah, it's a Kodak moment. And all the photos that they had printed out, he was, like, covering his face. Or they said, or he, and, which is even arguably worse instead of covering his face he would like make like a really grotesque face so like he wouldn't look like so he would like change his appearance quote unquote i do that without trying yeah (laughs) no em you always look like oh true it's okay (laughs) don't look in a mirror isn't that what you said to me yeah so we're even ha ha um, right. So anyway, there's a bunch of photos where like during this time period, he was still trying to hide from cameras or being recognized by anybody. Um, so in 2007, oh, here we go, guys. Get ready. God. In 2007, Sandra convinces uh, Christian to move to Boston. I told you. We found it. <laughs> um, and she says, we have to move to Boston for our daughter's sake. So sorry, New Hampshire, but they had to go to Boston. Cool. So they moved to Boston. And they buy a $2 million townhouse, which I'm sure you guys can all relate to. Yeah. Right. Classic same, Boston. Same. It's like our, all our memories of Boston. Right. Yeah. 
so Sandra at this point is like super freaked out and, you know, convinced him to move back to the city. was like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. So she hires a private investigator to take a look at a good old Clark Rockefeller and figure out what the fuck is going on with him. Um, turns out, shockingly, that he is not who he claims to be. Um, <gasps> I know. I know you didn't expect it, but I know. Shocking. I'll give you a minute because I lost where I am. Okay. <laughs> nope. Found it. Um, she divorces him, gains sole custody of their daughter, because actually what she said was, if you give me sole custody of our daughter, I will not, like, report all your weird got financial it. shit. So she got fo- sole custody of their daughter and took her to London, changed her name, changed her daughter's name to her own last name. Got and it. And was like, bye. So they moved to London. Yeah. Finally, something good happens. Um, Christian was given three supervised visitations with his daughter per year. So on July 26, 2008, Ray, who's now seven, comes to Boston for her visitation with her father. Christian was walking down the street at Boston Common with his daughter and the social worker who had to supervise the visit. When an SUV approached, Christian suddenly whacked the social worker in the back of the head, grabbed his daughter, and jumped into the car. Oh, no. The social worker hung onto the back of the SUV and fucking like was like, no, no. And grabbed onto the back of the SUV. Like, obviously, the guy, you know, kicked her off, but she immediately called the police, was able to like give them the full description and everything. Um, a warrant was issued for his arrest and a massive search ensued. People all over the country from Connecticut to California to New York, New Hampshire, even Milwaukee, etc. Um, everyone is looking, like calling in being like, I was watching TV and I saw my pal from Berlin High School or whatever. Like people just start recognizing him from all over the United States. Um, and so suddenly the FBI is realizing like, oh, this guy was also you know, the guy we're looking for in California who maybe right. murdered John. Right, right, right. right. So there's, this is all, like, coming together at one point. So now they're even more worried for Ray, obviously the daughter. Um, and on August 2nd, 2008, after a week-long search, Christian was finally found in Baltimore, Maryland, where he was living. Sure. Damn. I forget how close all the states are here. Right. <laughs> we're just in, like, one massive Back in universe. California, it's like, mm, right. it's all the same. <laughs> So he's living in Baltimore and we're, uh, under the name, get ready. He's living under the name Chip Smith. <laughs> so he finally figured out what Americans are called. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> he had purchased within the last two weeks an apartment and a boat. Why not? The FBI decided to lure him out of the apartment. Apparently it's very easy. They lured him out of the apartment by telling him, oh no, his boat is sinking. So the guy walks. <laughs> so Chip walks out of the apartment. Chip the sailor. <laughs> yeah. God, what a douchebag. Right. So he walks out of the apartment, uh, and as he left the apartment, obviously the SWAT team like rushed into the apartment and grabbed the grabbed his daughter Ray, and she was safe and perfectly fine. Thank God. Yeah. When the SWAT team arrested Chip slash Christian, they asked him, "Where are you going?" And he says. I'm just going to get a sandwich. (laughs) He's very good at lying. Yes. Obviously, this is a media sensation, especially when people are like, holy shit, he's a Rockefeller. (laughs) Right. And a baron. 
and a 13th baron of England. Uh, you know. So when the FBI interrogates him, uh, he denies any connection to Germany, uh, insisting that he grew up in New York. And it's very weird because you watch the uh, interview and, like, he still very much has a German accent. <laughs> and, like, as someone with German parents, I'm like, that doesn't go away ever. <laughs> but he's like, no, no, I grew up in New York. My father would take me to the Statue of Liberty. And they were like, <laughs> no, you're full of shit. Um... So they contact his brother back in Germany, and he's like, yeah, that's my brother. He's super weird, and his parents are still alive here in Germany. I like how the brother doesn't try to save him at all. It's no, like, oh, no. It's like, that's him. He's yeah. Like, Did he give he you, like, 16,000 names for himself? <laughs> that's him. Yeah. He's like, he never became that Hollywood movie star? What a shocker. Wow. <laughs> he really wanted that out of life. Um, so he still is... To this day, by the way, holds this this story up that he was born in New York and has no idea about Germany, has never been there. So, just a nut job. Um, so, his lawyers plead in... <laughs> I wrote something stupid. Okay. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Duh. Sometimes I write jokes into my notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my... God damn it! God damn it! Christine also has this uh, habit of forgetting that the microphone is in her face. And so she'll start muttering shit about my story and be like, I don't think so. And it's like, right, I'm like... I, like, hear it coming from the ceiling. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Okay, I wrote this thing. I'm just going to say it really fast because it's so stupid. Okay, I wrote, you can still hear, hear his accent. I guess he's still pretending it's from Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> Oopsies. Okay. Uh, hey, man. I was drinking a lot of wine when I wrote these notes, I think. Okay. Um, so you'd think I'd be in the right headspace, but apparently. <laughs> so, uh, Christian's lawyers plead insanity for obvious reasons, um, mm-hmm. but psychiatrists disagreed. In fact, they believed he knew exactly what he was doing, and Christian was diagnosed with delusional disorder, which, that's cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, delusional disorder and narcissistic personality disorder, which does not shock me very much about this guy. Right. Um, in 2011, a jury found Christian Gerhardt's writer guilty of the kidnapping of his daughter, uh, he was sentenced to five years in jail, and two years later, in 2013, Gerhardt's writer was tried and convicted of the first-degree murder of John Sohouse. Uh, yeah, which was crazy. Justice, finally. Yeah, and it was crazy because they didn't have any hard evidence. It was just that that plastic bag had been in the ground with the body the, from Milwaukee, and the fact that it was all very, like, circumstantial evidence, but the jury was like, no, we fucking know he did it. And so they... Convicted him, which was, they did not expect that to happen, but it did. Uh, He was given the maximum sentence of 27 years. Uh, Yes. And unfortunately, Linda Sohouse's whereabouts are unknown to this day. So they're still trying to figure out where she is. Uh, With good behavior, uh, Christian will be eligible for parole in September 2030 at the age of 69, which is not that far away. Yikes. Um. And that is the story, guys, of our lovely friend Christian. Thank you. Thank you. Aw. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I know that was a lot. I know it was a lot. It was like a whole page longer than usual, but I just had a lot to say. Um, I do have a quick horoscope for you guys for Christian. 
So uh, for those of you who have been dragged here unwillingly and don't know why you're still here and want to go home, (laughs) um, a horoscope is where I give unsolicited astrological advice to people who have already died and don't want to hear it. So, right. Yes. So you're welcome for that. Um, This is uh, for all the Pisces out there. I always know at least one twelfth of the audience will be excited. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so Christian was a Pisces and so for him and for you guys, please listen up. Pisces, this is an exceptional period for learning where your imagination ends and realism begins. (laughs) Accurate. Sounds about right. Please find a healthy balance between the two. (laughs) This will help stabilize your hectic social life. Lucky you, under this planetary arrangement, you could get exactly what you want. But if you don't, make sure to use the proper channels to get your way, rather than creating your own path and potentially hurting innocent bystanders. Mm. And finally, that is the story of Christian Gerhardt. Love it. Thank you, Boston. I'll take these for you. Thank you. I can stick them in my pants again. They're in my nine, okay. in mine now. Okay. Thank you guys oh so, my so God. much, Boston. Thank you, Boston. For we love you. Listening to our stories. Thank you so much, Boston. Thank we you, thank you, you thank you, thank you. Sorry. <gasps> I feel like a kid that's like about to give a presentation that he has no idea about. We just flew in from Los Angeles. And boy, are my arms tired. Fun fact, he was a wonton. English is my first language. Is camera home? Sassy with me. Sassy the clown. The clown is shy. Oh, quite cool. Sweet heaven. Finish your drink. And that's why we drink. Ever been to Delaware? If not, now's the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com.